Good morning, everybody. Um, there won't be a walk today for me to record a podcast with because I am driving out to the new campus that the college I work for is opening to help set up a ridiculous number of computers in our giant computer center. What I wanted to talk about today while I am driving in is the FLGS, the Friendly Local Game Store. Because it seems like, well, it's a little bit like Toys R Us. I remember as a child walking into Toys R Us and there was 30 feet of G.I. Joe shelves and 30 feet of Transformer shelves. Use the left lane to take the Texas 45 West ramp, then merge onto Texas 45 West. And they were literally stacked to the ceiling because all the additional inventory was up on the tops of the In shelves. a quarter mile, slight left onto West Lewis Hennett Boulevard East. And if something was currently in production, it was there at the store. At any point after Empire Strikes Continue Back on Texas out, 45 West for five miles. If you wanted a Lando Calrissian figure, you went and you grabbed a Lando Calrissian figure. Um, nowadays, whenever I attempt to buy toys and action figures for my kids, I have to hunt for them. You know, I was trying to get all five lions for Voltron for Christmas. And um, one particular lion was hard to find. And uh, if I went on Amazon, it was double the MSRP. So I had to keep hunting till I found a brick and mortar store that had it or I had to pay collector prices for something that was technically currently in print. It's frustrating. And that goes for most toy lines and it goes for role-playing games. So here's the conundrum. The FLGS is not just the place you go to buy games, right? Um, however, that function, buying games, has become a little difficult in recent years. Because the first game stores, uh, I talked in the last podcast uh, a little bit about King's Hobby. That was my FLGS when I first got into gaming. Now, they're pretty much trying to get rid of what little gaming inventory they have, and some of it is very vintage, um, and get out because there's no money in it for them anymore. But at the time, in the 80s, it was this wonderland of tons of different games. Uh, I found so many games at King's Hobby that I didn't even know existed. Pretty much pre-internet, all we had were the advertisements in the games themselves and Dragon Magazine or Stardate Magazine or, you know, some of the gamer mags that were around back then. White Dwarf, stuff like that. But it wasn't like it is today, where you can go out and find dozens of games you'd never heard of and, and uh, be exposed to them. The, the game store was where you got all that. Nowadays, game stores only carry what sells. And for the owners, that makes a whole lot of sense. You don't want to buy inventory that's just going to sit on a shelf. Um, my personal FLGS, the game store that I go to nine times out of ten, is Rogue's Gallery Comics and Games in Round Rock, Texas. Uh, Randy and Dave and their staff are awesome people. They will order whatever you want ordered, and they try to stock a fair amount of games, even some things that might be a little 
uh, might be a little niche, you know. They've got a good little section of indie games. Uh, they carry the new Torque, which I think is awesome. In two miles, use the right two lanes to take the exit toward US 183 North. Uh, it's a... Um, well, I'll talk about that game in a future podcast. But what I'm, uh, what I'm getting at is that uh, Rogue's Gallery, as a not huge square footage-wise game store, seems to actually have a better RPG selection than the elephant in the room, which is Dragon's Lair um, in, Round, or in Austin. Now, D-Lair is also a store that I have a lot of affection for. D-Lair has been around for ages. It was probably the third store that I started frequenting when I first got into gaming, and that's only because I hadn't heard of it previously. But it's one of the largest square footage-wise game stores around. I know people that make pilgrimages here to go to it. And yet, the RPG section shrinks every time I walk in. When I first started going to D-Lair, it was in a house before it moved into an actual commercial building. And even after it moved in to a commercial building, ah, the selection of role-playing games. In half a mile, use the right two lanes to take the exit toward US 183 North. It was a lot like how I described King's Hobby Shop. Games upon games upon games, and a sometimes labyrinthine shelf of them. The price tags were handwritten. It was always just a Use little Use the right two lanes to take the exit toward US 183 North, then keep right at the fork. And there were chinchillas that lived in the store. To this day, there are still cats that live in the store. But through the forces of economics, this massive store now carries Keep less right at the fork. variety of RPGs than a store a third its size here in Round Rock. And I got a, you know, I got a pat on the back, the, the staff at Rogues for keeping things fresh and keeping things out there that people might not be aware of. Dungeon Crawl Classics, they, they keep that around. It's a great game. I kind of want to run a demo of it there. And that brings me to another game about, uh, another thing about the FLGS that's important is the community. Before I became a dad, and for a short time thereafter, when I fooled myself into thinking that I could keep up my previous youthful gaming schedule while a parent, I used to run the League Nights back during the fourth edition era. And I had a blast. Some of you grognards out there may be going, fourth edition, how can you have fun with that? Let me tell you, with the right mix of people and the right amount of enthusiasm, you can absolutely have fun with just about any game. Any game. And that was the thing, the community, the getting together with familiar faces, meeting new people. That is what an FLGS is all about. And every time I bop into Rogue's Gallery on a Thursday and I see people setting up, it makes me a little jelly. Now that my son's getting older, I'm hoping maybe eventually the both of us can start going again. But here's kind of where I'm going with this. I really wish someone would build a FLGS simulator game so that people that don't own game stores can get some insight in to what influences the decisions of game store owners. For instance, 
rogues gallery recently, well, maybe not super recently, but time goes by fast, uh, moved into a larger venue than the one they had been in before. This allowed them to have two game tables up on a permanent basis, which is great, and greatly expand their amount of product. What expanded was board games. Why? Because board games are hot right now. Board games are getting people in the door. Board games are moving. Role-playing games are not quite the profit generation center that they used to be. And so, I would guess, if I were to sit down with Randy and Dave and ask them, what's up with the division of square footage between these shelves and these shelves, they would tell me which shelves made more money. People need to understand, you know, it's easy for me to complain that I can't find Lamentations of the Flame Princess on an FLGS store shelf when it might move one copy, maybe, in a year. Um, I would love to see things like Astonishing Swordsmen and Sorcerers of Hyperborea. I would love to see White Star. I would love to see all of the Swords and Wizardry related OSR products. But I realize that a lot of gamers out there don't even know the OSR movement exists. And if they did, they'd be quite confused by the throwback rule set when they're used to things like 5e. In fact, uh, one of the members of our game group is so focused, hyper-focused on 5e because it's what he started with that he almost refuses to play anything else until you drag him kicking and screaming into a game and then he's like, oh man, this is a lot of fun. I would love to see more variety on game store shelves, but it has to work out in the favor of the game store owners. So it becomes this vicious cycle. I walk into a game store. I don't see the kind of stuff I want. I walk back out again, I ordered online. Every order that happens online is an order that's not going to an FLGS. And eventually, that means, you know, RIP nerd stock, um, game stores will close. We had a game store in Austin called Nerdstock. Um, I only went there a handful of times because it wasn't really in my neighborhood. And Rogues is closer and I know the people and you know, it's kind of, that's where my loyalty goes. Um, with a miner in Dragon's Lair. But uh, Nerdstock was a large venue with tons of tables. Um, they did not have the same amount of stuff in stock as a D-Lair, but they had a fair amount. They focused on board games and miniatures games. Uh, their RPG section was very small, but in the end, they weren't able to make it. And right toward the end of their run, right before they announced they were closing, they started charging people for table space because people were coming in and gaming and leaving. And once they bought their copy of whatever game they played, that was all the money they really spent at the store. That is not a sustainable model for a store owner. Um, I can tell you the store and staff were nice guys. Uh, they were very welcoming. They sold snacks to kind of, you know, help monetize the groups that would come in to just sit down and play. And there are a lot of play groups looking for places to play. My own club would be hosed if we didn't have the space we have. Um, because frankly, we're a larger group. And even if we wanted to go to um, Rogue's Gallery, we simply wouldn't fit. And any of the other venues around Austin either 
we would take up their whole space, like for instance, Emerald Tavern, or um, they charge party rates for the rooms, like Pinball's Arcade. So it becomes this thing, you know, groups are looking for a place to go, but if you don't spend money where you go, if you buy all your stuff on Amazon, well, then the game stores are eventually going to fail. And, and so I really think there should be an Oregon Trail or Pizza Tycoon style simulator so that gamers can sit down and experience the frustration that game store owners must have. You know, I know I'm constantly, uh, over the years, popping in and going, hey, that new Battletech box set that's out. Now, of course, that last time was last time um, Catalyst got around to releasing one, which was like two presidents ago. But there's another one coming out, and I've already told the guys at Rogues, order me one of each of the two new starter sets. In fact, I may come back and tell you to order me two or three of each. Battletech is a perfect example of a game that is not worth it for a game store to stock right now because even though there are diehard fans, you've got to get new fans into the game. And it has been uh, what the younger folks would call a hot minute. I'm still not quite sure what that is, but we'll use the phrase anyway. It has been a hot minute since there was a starter box on the shelf. The main rule book has been out of print for a while and is recently only coming back into print. Um, the miniatures are kind of sporadically available. So most of the FLGSs in Austin have stopped carrying the game. With D&D, you can buy the starter box or the player's handbook. With uh, FFG Star Wars games, there's a starter box for each flavor of the game and a starter box from The Force Awakens. Shadowrun has a starter box. You know, there are avenues to get people into these games which will then sell product which will then fund the game store. Um, with Battletech, it's been next to impossible to get people into the game because of the unavailability of these products. So there In are, half a mile, use the second from the left lane to turn left onto San Gabriel Parkway. There are different market forces at work that help determine what a game store can and cannot stock while maintaining a profit margin. And what's worse is sometimes the game stores kind of, well, a good example. Flick's Brewhouse, right across the street from uh, Rogue's Gallery, right across I-35. And um, Dragon's Lair constantly supports movie openings and things at that venue. Uh, while Rogue's Gallery is literally walking distance if one wanted to walk across an overpass um, to the venue. It almost feels like a turf war. It's, it's kind of frustrating. Um, you know, I'd love to see Rogue's get to support some of these geek movie events. But, uh, you know, it's a, it's a fair drive from Flix to D-Lair. And they've got an, uh, they've got an Alamo like walking distance from their location. Uh, it, it seems like, you know, I know business is war, but it seems like there should be some form of uh, 
decorum for, for that sort of thing. I am very, very concerned about the state of the game store. I tend to, you know, wax nostalgic about a lot of stuff. It's just who I am, right? Um, but it seems like when I was first getting into the hobby, game stores were kind of this wonderland uh, of choices and, oh, I didn't know that existed and, oh, look at that over there. And now game stores are being driven by market forces to kind of tighten up what they carry. They can't afford to carry things that they're not sure about or that won't sell. And, and that drives people to online sales and let's not even mention the markdown that Amazon usually puts on things. Uh, you know, I've heard many gamers tell me, look, I can't afford to buy all the core books for XYZ game unless I go on Amazon where they're 40 or 45% off. Okay, you know, I kind of, I kind of get that. Um, in fact, now that I have kids, I, I had to go to Rogues the other day and tell them uh, to um, put my comic subscriptions on suspension because we're going into summertime. And in summertime, I have to pay full-time childcare for my two kids. And you put both of those childcare bills together and it's more than my mortgage. Um, ever since we became parents, we come out of summertime pretty short. Um, so we're having to tighten the belt. You know, we also had to buy a wash machine and we unfortunately lost one of our pets. Um, you know, and the double whammy there is you've lost a family member and you're responsible for the vet bills. So I get it. I get saving money in the hobby. It's, it's necessary, but I would challenge people out there to set themselves a goal that they feel is fair. You know, half your purchases, one third of your purchases, something that you will walk into your local brick and mortar store and make to support the store. Because it's not just about paying the checks of the owners and the staff, although that's nice, because these are the people you smile at, these are the people you talk to, these are the people you become friends with but also to keep the doors of the store open because that store is a community hub for the gaming community. It's a place where we can sit down and run demos. It's a place where the league nights go on, you know, and sure the Pokemon card players and the magic card players are all there too, but they're all ultimately part of this big geeky group. There's a lot of crossover between card gamers, board gamers, and role players. And if there's not, you should make some. Gaming evangelism is a thing. Get out there and teach someone to play D&D. So, um, as I wrap this up, yes, I'm very sad that the game store of today isn't the game store of 1987. But financially, it really can't be. It's not that the game store owners aren't doing their best. It's they're doing what they have to do in an increasingly competitive market to keep the doors open. And I believe it's incumbent on us as a community to do what we can to support the game stores. Now, I have heard some stories from some game stores in a town about an hour and a half north of me that 
they are not friendly to certain members of the community. They decide, you know, who is and is not welcome, who is and is not cool. And uh, they, they have made life so difficult for a particular friend of mine that um, their game has been moved from the FLGS to a private residence. Um, if your game store staff is acting like that, if your game store staff is not friendly, if they're not holding up their end of the bargain, then, you know, maybe you shouldn't shop there. But if you've got a crew like Rogues Gallery or Dragon's Lair are, or even Nerdstock, like I said, those guys were great the few times that we went in. Support them. Because if you don't, they end up the way Nerdstock did and close down. I don't want to see that happen to any of the other game stores that I love. Um, shout out to Gen X up in Bedford. Uh, that's a that's a great great game store uh, because the owner seems to have a time portal to like eighty nine or ninety one that all these used games end up in his boxes, and I have no idea how he keeps restocking this stuff. But that's completely out of the point. Um, you know, I would love to see every game store with a healthy vintage section. I know Etten Games and Umble used to have a great one. Well, now they take it to conventions and sell their vintage stuff there. But if vintage isn't what your audience buys, then vintage is, you know, a waste of shelf feed. We could go on about this sort of thing all day. Um, I am pulling up at the new campus, so I'm going to have to sign off on this one. But I just thought I'd talk a little bit about, you know, how frustrating it is to to hear people badmouthing game stores because their prices are too high and I can just get it on Amazon. And they don't realize that that's, that's where our community is. That's where people are exposed to new things. You know, that's uh, it's kind of like the gamer hobbies version of Cheers, you know? I know when I walk into Rogues, and whoever's behind the desk smiles and calls me by name, I feel a little bit like Norm Peterson, right? It's my home away from home. It's a place I can go to shoot the bull about gaming for a while. And when I can afford to, I definitely drop coin there. Um, I have to say, uh, if anybody's in the market for dice, check out the section that Rogues has now from Roll for Initiative. Uh, I love R for Eyes products. Their dice are slightly bigger than the standard dice. They are very well priced and they come in these great sets with multiple dice of each type. And it'll even tell you on the back why they decided to put that many. This many D4s for magic missiles and this many D6s for rolling up characters. Pretty cool. Um, plus, you can occasionally find some gems. Uh, I heard about Fiasco from the staff there. Um, and in return, they're open to suggestions for games that you think they might stock. Um, again, I need to make a mental note to talk to them and see if anybody's demoed Mutant Crawl Classics or Torg at the store, because I'd love to make the time to do that. Anyway, support your friendly local game store as best you can. You know, nobody's asking you to spend money you don't have. And if you really need to play 5e and you want to score that player's handbook on Amazon, well, that's a decision you're going to have to make. 
but just remember that uh, if people stop purchasing things at game stores, we will lose the game store. And that will be a terrible thing for our community. Um, anyway, I'm, I'm here at the college, so I am signing off. And I hope everybody has a great day. We'll see you in the next episode.